Well, let's look again today at the same text that we've been looking at. Romans 5.17. Romans 5.17. Remember the Word of God, the Bible, the Word of God is God speaking to you. I want you to say that out loud. The Word of God is God speaking to me. Say that again. Now, if God spoke down from heaven in an audible voice and said what I'm about to read to you, would you believe it? You know, that wouldn't be any more real than this verse. Holy men of old wrote, the Bible said, as they were moved by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Say that again. The Word of God, the Word of God. is God speaking to me. Now, if you'll accept the word just like that, it'll mean something to you and it'll work in your life. All right, Romans 5, 17, For if by one man's offense death reigned. I'll stop long enough to say again that we've established in these lessons that the death he's speaking of here is not physical death, but spiritual death. Reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now, another translation said, I think it'll help you see more clearly what he's saying. For if by the trespass of the one, that was Adam's sin, you see, death reigned as king. In other words, spiritual death and the devil had dominion through the one. Much more shall they who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign as kings in the realm of life through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, one reason that we have not uh, realized what belongs to us, who we are, what is ours, what we can do, is because really we just haven't listened to what the Scriptures have said and we've listened to man or we listen to tradition. We listen sometimes to church teaching instead of Bible teaching. But uh, let's listen to what the Bible said. The Bible said here that we who have received of the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness are to reign. R-E-I-G-N. Reign in life, King James translation said, reign as kings. Well, the very thought that he said reign, you, you automatically thought about a king reigning because he's the head potentate, so to speak, of whatever domain that he's king over. And so he said here, reign in life. Too much of the time we've uh, been sort of like the story, it's a true story, of a church I know of in California. There was a man who took this church, they had about 70 people when he took it, and he had run it up to over 700 people. 
over a period of several years. Now, they had more people come to church, but they had their auditorium would seat more people than that, but they, they 700 of them were theirs. They, they belonged to it. The others came, you know. They ministered to hundreds of people. And so this pastor felt led of the Lord just to resign his pastorate, and, and so he did. They didn't much believe he was, but, you know. But he, he said, well, I'm going to leave in 30 days. Now you need to see about getting a pastor, but... They thought they'd talk him in the notion of staying. They didn't see anything about getting the past. His third day's up. He preached his farewell sermon and left. Well, this particular full gospel denomination practiced a congregational rule, and so they want a pastor. They went to one of the head men of their district and said, you know, maybe could you recommend somebody to us? And so he sent them a uh, returned missionary, wrote a letter to the board and said, this man has a glorious past. And they preached him and didn't even think enough of him to vote on him. And so the board contacted the district superintendent again and asked him if he'd recommend somebody. And he sent a younger man this time. And he said, well, in his letter, this man has a wonderful future. And they preached him and never thought enough of him even to vote on him. And in their board meeting, one of them said, you know, we've had one fellow here with a glorious past, another one with a future, but what we need is somebody's got something right now. <laughs> now, that is a true story. That really happened. But, you know, I'm afraid that same thing is true throughout all Christendom. We talk about the glorious past. You can look back in the Old Testament. You see God bringing Israel out of Egypt, you know, and all the miracles that happened. And then you look into the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see his miracles and ministry. And isn't that glorious? You look at the early church and the acts of the apostles and the acts of the Holy Ghost, you know, there. And say, isn't that wonderful? Well, praise God, it was sure wonderful back there, all right. And then we sort of skip over the present, and when we all get to heaven, thank God, it's going to be different then, you know. But there's not much now, not much now. You can't expect much. But this text here is not talking about past, nor is it talking about future. It's talking about the present. Hallelujah. This life, it's talking about us. Hallelujah. Believers, Christians, children of God, sons of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And it said that we that have received of the abundance of grace, that's us, hallelujah. Remember the Bible said, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And so we have received of the abundance of grace. And we sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And that's true. We have received abundance of grace. But I'm afraid too many have just stopped right there and sort of camped in the grace camp. Well, thank God for grace. Hallelujah. We need to, uh, need to know something about the grace of God. D.L. Moody said, that he was preparing for a Sunday night sermon there in, in Chicago, and uh, he was uh, felt led to study and preach on the grace of God. And as he studied, he, he became so overcome, just so overwhelmed with grace that without realizing what he'd done, when he came to himself, he had jumped up, ran out of his study, and ran down the street, and the first person he met said, Do you know grace? They said, Grace who? 
He said, the grace of God. He didn't even remember leaving this study, but he came to himself out there. He was overwhelmed, you see. Well, thank God for the grace. Hallelujah. Do you know grace? Hallelujah. Thank God for grace. Everybody say, thank God for the grace of God. Say it again. Now, did you notice that the text doesn't just talk about grace, it talks about abundance of grace. Hallelujah. Abundance. Hallelujah. Abundance of grace. But as I said, I, I'm fearful that the church stopped right there. And too many believers, even full gospel, stopped right there. But it went on to say that we not only had received abundance of grace, but we received something else. The gift of righteousness. You see, when we were born again, Jesus became our righteousness. When we received him, we received the gift of righteousness. And we are, as Second Corinthians, someone quoted Second Corinthians 5.21, Him who knew no sin, that was Jesus, was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, in him, that's who we are. That we might be made... And he's the one that made us that. The righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21. You wouldn't even dare talk about that if you didn't have that scripture to back you up. Because human reasoning would say, well, that can't be so. Too much of the time, churchanity says that's not so. But the scripture said it is so. Theology says it isn't so. You know, one of my great problems in the church world... No, whether you realize it or not, but one who studied theology should. One of our great problems is this, that in the church world as a whole, even in our Pentecostal ranks, our teachings are not really based so much of it on the Pauline epistles. It's based on old German theology. Amen. That's absolutely the truth. Both Calvinism and Arminianism or old German theology, neither one of them Pauline epistles. Somebody said, who's right? Which one of them is right? Neither one of them. I said, neither one of them. Are you listening to me? And so, uh, let's get over into the epistles, the letters that are written to us, praise God, to the church, and find out who we are, and find out what we have and find out what our rights and privileges are. And I'm convinced that when we know that we arise to the level of what belongs to us, praise God. And so we have received of the gift of righteousness. And it said here in 2 Corinthians 5.21, Him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. That's Jesus. Everybody believes that. But the last part of the verse is just as much true as the first part is, that we might be made. See, the reason that he was made to be sin for us was that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus. Say that out loud. I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. In Jesus. In, Jesus. In, him. In him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now then, you see, because for this reason, because of the abundance of grace, not because of what you did, not because of how pretty you are or ugly either, or rich or poor, or educated or uneducated, Remember again Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith. Now there's grace again. Not of work. 
works, the ninth verse said, not of works. Yes, we believe in good works. Yes, the Bible teaches good works. But this verse isn't talking about good works to be rewarded for and right conduct. It's talking about salvation. Good works don't save you. Are you listening to me? Yes, the Bible teaches good works. Don't misunderstand me. Yes, the Bible teaches right conduct. Good works and right conduct don't save you. By grace are you saved. Hallelujah. If you do have the right kind of works, the good works and the right conduct, it's because you are saved. The good works didn't save you. Not of works, he said. See, by grace are you saved. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, if it was works, we could boast. We could boast. But we can't boast because we weren't saved by works. Now, thank God for good works and thank God for right conduct. The Bible teaches that, but those things won't save you. You are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Christians are not sinners. Sinners are not there. Sinners is the great white throne judgment. But Christians are going to appear at the... Uh, judgment seat of Christ to receive a reward of deeds done in the body whether they be good or bad. Well, I'm on all the good marks I can get. Praise God, don't you? <laughs> Amen, huh? Hallelujah. And there's a lot involved there. I'll not get into that just now. But what I'm talking about now is being saved. We have received of the abundance of grace. We have received of the gift of righteousness. It's receiving the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. That's what prepares us to reign. Well, now again, when we talk about reigning, people talk about reigning with Christ during the millennial reign. This verse is not talking about the millennial reign. People talk about living and reigning and ruling with Christ through eternity. This verse is not talking about eternity. It's not talking about anything in the future. All those things may be so. And the Bible somewhere else may speak about them. But this verse is talking about this life. The one we're living now. Rain where? Rain where? Where? In life. That's here, isn't it? I said, that's here, isn't it? Hallelujah. Reign. Reign as kings. Stop and get the picture. Now, that's what God wants us to be. That's the reason God's redeemed us. That's what God has provided for us. Well, now we can look at it and different angles. Some folks will say, well, yeah, that's true, all right. Yeah, most of us are living beneath our privileges, all right. We could have a whole lot more than what we have, be enjoying and much more than what we are and do nothing about it. Or some can say, well, no, you know, that just sounds too good to be true. In the sweet by and by, it'll all be different. But there are some of us that just believe what it says. I just believe what it says. Don't you? Now then, the very fact that he said rain, 
R-E-I-G-N, rain. And as the other translation, Weymouth said, rain as kings in life. That very statement carries with it the thought of dominion. Doesn't it? That very statement carries with it the thought of ruling. That very statement carries the thought of uh, being victorious. It certainly doesn't carry the thought of being in bondage, does it? It doesn't carry the thought of being in slavery, does it? It doesn't carry the thought of being dominated over or by someone else or something else, does it? Well, now, what does he mean when he said reign in life by Jesus Christ? Well, that means by his authority. And that means that we're, instead of circumstances, sin, the devil, demons, poverty. See, poverty is bondage. It's not freedom, is it? Poverty, sickness, disease, spiritual death. Instead of those things dominating us, instead of those things reigning over us, we're to reign over them, reign in life. I like to say it this way. The very fact that he said reign as kings leaves the thought or the impression with you that we're to be on top. Hallelujah. Not on the bottom, in life. In life. In life. Now then, we've gone over it, and let's go over some here because I'm impressed to go along two particular lines today. The fact that we are born again, we are children of God, we've actually come into union with God. We've looked at scriptures that said, Now are ye the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what ye shall be, but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We're just as much the sons of God Almighty as Jesus is. We know the scripture also that said that we're not only heirs of God, but that we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Joint means equal heirs. Hallelujah to Jesus. With Jesus Christ. Now, uh, not only, you see, has our spirits been recreated, and we have become new creatures in Christ Jesus. As 2 Corinthians 5.17 said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, you notice again that our text said, We'll reign in life by Jesus Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things, behold, all things have become new. That was in our inner man. You know, you didn't get a new body when you were born again. got the same body you had. But that man on the inside is to be the one that is dominant and be the ruler. Then not only that, but in the new birth, and I won't emphasize this again. We, we hit on a little bit, I think, the first day. But I, I want to uh, go a little bit more in detail about it. 
you need to realize that actually the new birth is not only a new birth and a rebirth of our human spirit, but that the new birth is actually an incarnation. God himself comes to live inside us. Now remember in the Gospels that Jesus said, if a man will keep my commandments and so on, my Father and I will come and dwell with him. Live with him. We will do that. He starts out by saying that in the Gospels. And then in the epistles, writing to the church, we see Paul saying this, first of all, to the church at Corinth, and you can open your Bibles and look at them again. First, the third chapter of 1 Corinthians. And the uh, 16th verse, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. Ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now in the 6th chapter of 1 Corinthians, notice that he tells us another very similar uh, statement actually. What? Now this is the 19th verse. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which you have of God and you're not your own. Now notice the next verse. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Remember my text said reign as kings in life. You glorify God in your body. I don't believe the works of the devil being manifest in our body glorifies God. Sickness and disease is not the work of God. Sickness and disease is the work of an enemy. An enemy to God, an enemy to man, an enemy to the church, are you listening? Glorify God in your body. Amen. This body, my body, your body, I'm talking to those now that's been born again, is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Glorify God in that body. Don't let the devil trespass on God's property. That's your problem. That's your responsibility, not mine, yours. See, I don't have authority unless you give it to me over your property. Amen. Isn't that right? It's yours. I told you many years ago, and there are many reasons, and I can tell you a number of them, and along, along we do drop secrets along, you see. What, I believe... Believe one reason, this is only one of many, that I've been able to walk in health all these many years now. Amen. I didn't say I hadn't been attacked. I didn't say I didn't pass off up a number of opportunities. But I just passed them by because I knew they wouldn't glorify God. But I believe one reason I read uh, 
way back 1937, a little excerpt from Reader's Digest. There in Washington, D.C., in one of the government buildings, they had two little plots of grass, you know, just about 12 by 14 out here on either side of the sidewalk. And folks, instead of walking the sidewalk, would cut right across that little, you know, just wore a path across that grass. Well, the caretaker put up a little, you know, a little stob here and here and put a little, just stretched a little string around, thought they wouldn't step over. They just stepped right over and went out of going into work, you know. And, and so finally, he painted him a crude sign, made it out of pasteboard, and just took shoe polish. And, and this caretaker, janitor, you see. And he said, gentlemen will not and others must not trespass on this property. Now, I don't know, you see, it's according to how you're thinking. You know, some people just, as a joke, they'd laugh about that and tell about it. I got something spiritual out of it. I interpreted it spiritually. I said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a sign up here on my body. Hallelujah. I wrote it with the ink of faith. Hallelujah. And I said, gentlemen will not and others must not trespass on this property. And in parentheses on the bottom, I said, Satan, that means you. Don't you trespass on this body. Amen. Glorify God in your body. This body belongs to God as well as my spirit. But the thought I wanted to get over to you, however, was the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which is in you, which is in you, Jesus had said in John's gospel, my father and I will come and make our abode with you. My father and I will come and make our abode with you. Now then he said the Holy Spirit is in you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is in you. I said is in you. Are you listening to me? Somebody said, I don't understand it. You'll never be able to figure it out in your head, so don't try. Just accept it because the Bible says it. That's where faith comes in. Are you listening to me? I don't understand how that could be possible. Well, it isn't any of my business how it's possible. The Bible just said it. Hallelujah. You see, your God is one God. Israel's God was one God. We're not preaching three gods. We're preaching one God that's manifested in three personalities. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost lives in me. Hallelujah. Now, I think, now this is purely what I think. You don't have to accept it as gospel truth. But you can see there's some merit to it. I think from all possibility, Paul must have thought, they, they didn't just get what I was saying, just like folks don't get it today. And so he wrote another letter to the church at Corinth. Now look at 2 Corinthians 6. He wrote another letter to them. And this time he just spells it out. I mean where even folks as dense as you can get it. Amen. He just spells it out. Oh my, 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 my. Did you wear your shouting clothes today? Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. This is enough to set your heart to dancing and your mouth to shout. Look here, 6th chapter of 2 Corinthians. He's saying the same thing he already said to him, except he's going in more detail. 
I think it'd be better for us if we just started way back up there at the 14th verse. Really, I want you to get that 16th one, but look here. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's plain enough that he's talking to believers then, isn't he? And saying, don't you be yoked together with unbelievers. Now notice, for he said, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? There's that word righteousness again. The believer is called righteousness. That's who I am. Hallelujah. I'm right with God. I have right standing with God. That's what it means. And uh, what fellowship, you see, has righteousness with unrighteousness. And what communion has light with darkness. I'm light, the world's darkness. The church is light, the world is darkness. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? The church is Christ, the world is Belial. We call it Belial, actually the correct pronunciation is Belial. And so... Uh, we're called Christ. That's who we are. Somebody said, you're Christ? Well, we are the body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. You know, if your little finger here is a member of your body and your name is John Smith, your finger don't go by the name of Henry Miller. <laughs> and your, the rest of your body by the name of John Smith, your finger's got the same name the rest of your body's got. What is the name? Christ. Hallelujah. That's who we are. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's all the more reason that we shouldn't have sickness. The body of Christ shouldn't have sickness in it. I said the body of Christ shouldn't have sickness in it. Sickness is corruption. Christ and God is not corruption. They're incorruptible. We should not have sickness. Well, now then, somebody said, how are you ever going to die? God said to Israel, I'll take sickness away from the midst of thee. And the number of your days you'll fulfill. No, thank God, physical death is an enemy. And it is the last enemy that'll be put underfoot. No, I'm not going to put it underfoot. He is. And the Bible tells you in no uncertain terms when it is that it will be put underfoot. Now listen carefully and you can find out. Uh, uh, hold your place there because we're coming back to it. But turn over there to the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians and he'll tell you exactly. Now notice the 26th verse of the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now here in this 15th chapter he's talking about physical death. For he hath put all things under his feet. Talking about Christ's feet and our feet because we are Christ. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Hallelujah to Jesus. Are you listening? Now, I wish we had time to read the whole chapter. It'd just be a blessing. But skip down to the 51st verse. Behold, I show you a mystery. Now, remember, he's talking about the body here, not the spirit of the soul. And he's talking about physical death. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. He's talking about the body being asleep in the grave. The spirit is with Jesus. 
but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. He's talking about the body. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that tells you exactly when it is that that last enemy shall be put under foot. And that'll be a great day. I'm looking forward to it, aren't you? Friends, Jesus is coming. I said, Jesus is coming. And Paul said, right to the church at Thessalonica. It'd be interesting to look at that for a moment. Look at 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, because this question had come up with them. Verse 13 of, of chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Now, if he didn't want them to be ignorant, if God didn't want them, I like to put it this way. The Spirit of God saying that through the Apostle Paul. God himself is saying that through the Apostle Paul. I would not have you ignorant, brethren. What is it he don't want us to be ignorant about? Concerning them which are asleep. He's talking about the body, not the spirit. Or the soul. Paul said, you know, in Philippians 1, 21 through 23, I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better brother if he had just said it better that had been good but he said it's far better <laughs> nevertheless to abide in the flesh abide means live live in the flesh he's going to live he might not be living in the flesh to live in the flesh is more needful for you if he's here in the flesh he can teach him preach to him minister to him nevertheless that which I shall choose I want not no no I haven't decided yet which way I'm going to choose to go on and be with Jesus stay here for a while longer he said all right Paul said, also writing to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5, 1, For we know, not we guess so, hope so, maybe so, we know, that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, talking about the body, were dissolved, if it dies, if it's put in a grave, if it goes back to dust, we have a building that's not made with hands. The Bible said God formed the man's body, Adam's body, with his hands out of the dust of the ground. But he breathed in his nostrils a breath of life. Man became a living soul. So, if I earth the house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God not made with hands eternal in the heavens. And in the 6th, 7th, and 8th verses, the same chapter, in 2 Corinthians 5, he said that while we know that we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we know, I like that expression again, we know. I mean, he's definite, positive. We know that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Seventh verse, we walk by faith, not beside. Eighth verse, we're willing and confident, rather, therefore, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. I said that to you just to show you and get you to see that the spirit and the soul of man 
doesn't die. It's not asleep. Here in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, he's talking about the, uh, the body that's asleep in the grave. Are you listening to me? Now listen. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even also them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Oh, thank God, what comfort. What hope. What joy. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. So, he's talking about the same thing here to the Thessalonians that he was talking to the Corinthians about. And the Corinthians said, I show you a mystery. And he talks about the same thing there. Jesus is coming. That's the thought I want to establish with you. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Praise God. I believe we're nearing the end of the age. If you read the prophecies concerning what would happen in the last days. You see it happening. I don't know why some don't read the Bible. Bless their hearts. I think they read at it. Remember Jesus in the 21st chapter of, of Luke talked about the things that would happen in the last days. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, famines, earthquakes. We've seen them all. We're seeing them now. He said when these things begin to come to pass... Find your hole, dig your hole, get in it. No, no, he didn't say that at all. No, he didn't say that at all. Lift up your heads and look up. Woo, glory. And rejoice for your redemption. Draw it now, your full redemption. Our spirits are redeemed now. There is going to be the redemption of the body. Hallelujah. Are you listening? What did he say for you to do? Find you a cave. Stock your cellar full of food. No, bless God. Look up. Lift up your heads. That's reading all the folks. They're looking the wrong way. That's reading they're all depressed. They're looking at the wrong thing. That's the reason they're all down and out. That's the reason they're in the natural, so they got to get it ready for the natural. Don't bother about the natural. God will take care of that. Israel have everything to eat. He fed a man from heaven. Praise God. Amen. He said, Jesus said, I'd just rather listen to Jesus than to listen to some theologian. Or somebody thinks they're a theologian. Look up. Lift up your head. That's the trouble with a lot of folks. They got their head down looking down here. Oh, there's the devil. He's going to get you, boy. Watch out. Watch out. He's going to get you. No, look up. You're looking the wrong way. Look up. Lift up your heads. Look up. Glory to God, I'm looking up. I don't know about you. <laughs> Woo, are you? Hallelujah to Jesus. Well, I just have to preach a little bit, you know. You can't just teach all the time. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. So I'll get to preaching some. All right. Let's go back. I told you to hold your place over there in 2 Corinthians. Did you hold it? Flip back over there. Hallelujah. What concord hath Christ with Belial? Church is called Christ. Believers are called Christ. That's who we are. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Thank God I'm a believer. rest of them can be in for hell if they want to. I'm a believer. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. Now who's the temple of the living God? You are. As God hath said. Why don't we listen to what God said? What did God say? I will dwell in them. Hallelujah. I will dwell in them. And walk in them. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Hallelujah. You got the amplified translation there? Stand up stand up here, this young man, and read it. Now I'll, I'll repeat it so you can hear it go over the microphone. Just read about one clause at a time of that. Well, read the whole 16th verse. Be all right, whole verse. What agreement can there be between the temple of God and idols? What agreement can there be between the temple of God and idols? All right. We are the temple of the living God. For we are the temple of the living God. Even as God said. Even as God said. I will dwell in. I w- listen. I will dwell in. And with and among them. And with and among them. And, and will walk and with. And, and will walk in and with and among them. And I will be their God. And I will be their God. They shall be my people. And they shall be my people. Now, right now, keep your mind for just a moment on that with, among, and in them. In, with, and among them. Coming back to it. Now, you're right there in that 6th chapter, 2 Corinthians. Look down at that last verse, that 18th verse. Let's hook that up to that. And they shall be my people, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Whose sons and daughters are we? The Lord Almighty. The Lord that's half mighty. You know, I think some folks, God's a little old puny fella. You know, that needs to take some kind of physical culture course to build up his muscles. No, the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to know who God is, my friends. We need to remember who God is. We need to know who we are. We need to remember who we are. And it's because of who He is and who we are that we're able to reign as kings in life by Christ Jesus. Now, go back to that thought there. I will dwell in and with and among them. Now, 
in the Old Testament, God was with Israel. And you know there's a text over in the 8th chapter of Romans that said, If God be for us, see, that's the very thought that he's among us. If God be for us, who can be against us? Now God was for Israel, and God was with Israel, but God was never in Israel. Are you listening to me? He's on their side. The presence of God, the Jews called it the Shekinah presence, was kept shut up in the Holy of Holies. And that's the reason at least every male, every year, had to present himself up in Jerusalem at the temple of God. Because that's the house of God, that's the temple of God, that's where God is. God was with Israel, God was for Israel. Think what all he did just being with them and for them. My, wouldn't it, if, if you just had time, we could recount. But we don't have that kind of time. We could go over the miracles, the mighty things. Hallelujah. That he did because he was with them, because he was for them. But when Jesus died on the cross, you remember that he made a statement? Remember that he said on the cross, it is finished. Now a lot of folks without thinking thought the plan of salvation was finished. No, it wasn't. No, the plan of salvation wasn't finished. The plan of salvation wasn't finished even when he died. The plan of salvation wasn't finished until he was raised from the dead and Mary saw him, but it wasn't even finished then. The plan of salvation wasn't finished until, as Hebrews said, he entered into the heavenly holies of holies with his own blood to obtain an eternal redemption for us. No, when Jesus said it's finished, now read and find out what, what happened when Jesus said it's finished. If you read and study carefully, you'll find when Jesus said it's finished that there in the temple, the curtain that curtained off the holies of holies was rent in twain from top to bottom. He's talking about the old covenant being finished. Hallelujah. Now Flavius Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that that curtain curtained off the Holy of Holies was 20 feet high, 40 feet across, and 4 inches thick. Now the Bible said it was rent. Rent means torn or ripped in twain. Ripped into, notice, not from bottom to top, but from top to bottom. Up there 20 feet in the air, an unseen one, probably an angel of God, got a hold of that curtain and ripped it apart. And God moved out of an earth made holy of holies. He moved out. And, and, and he's never dwelt in an earth made holy of holies since then. Now our bodies have become the temple of God. God through the new birth moved into us and he lives in us and we've never mastered that subject most folks don't even know it's so because if you knew it so you couldn't be talking about how unworthy and how poor and how weak you are oh no you couldn't be talking about what you can't do because you got the greater one in you turn over there again to 1 John 4 4 you know we looked at it briefly here one day but but let's just look at it again. I'm impressed that we should. First John, first epistle of John. First epistle of John, fourth chapter. 
I think to get the real full import of what he's saying, let's just start with the first verse of this fourth chapter. Beloved, remember John's writing to Christians. We talked about that yesterday in the first chapter of this book and, and also the second chapter. These things are writing to you that you send out and so on. Beloved, believe not every spirit. If they needed that kind of an instruction back there then, we need it now. Don't believe every spirit. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, these people were. Yeah, but I talked and talked. These people did. He's telling them, don't believe every spirit. It's sad but true. You see many times, good, wonderful, marvelous, sanctified, separated, saints of God, carried away with the wrong spirit. And then if you mess with them, you'll get the same kind of spirit they got. Better stay away from them. Contaminated with that spirit. Beloved, beloved, he said, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Now, who is the them that he's talking about that we who are of God and even little children, spiritually speaking, have overcome? Didn't say we're going to overcome them. We have overcome them. Evil spirits. Evil spirits. Evil spirits. Well, somebody said, is that so? How come I'm having so much trouble with them? Because you don't realize and know what belongs to you. And have overcome them. Now listen. Because. This is why you've overcome them. Because. Greater is he. That is in you. Than he. That is in. The world. You see. That greater one that's in you has already conquered those spirits and those demons. That's Jesus. You see, friends, Jesus conquered the devil as a Jew before he died. The devil came to him again and again every time he defeated him. Remember? Then he let the devil conquer him on the cross... And let the devil take him with our burden and our guilt upon him because he was made sin. He didn't sin. Him who knew no sin was made sin. But after that he satisfied the claims of justice, Jesus met the devil and stripped him of his authority, hallelujah, and of his dominion, and he arose. And he said in Revelation 1.18, I am he that was alive and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys Woo! of death and of hell. Where did he get them? He got the keys. Took them away from the devil. That's why. 
You see, he had gone into the very throne room of Satan. And he's taken Satan's badge of dominion and authority that Adam had given to him in the Garden of Eden. And every man and every woman and every person that accepts Jesus Christ was identified with him when he did it. He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it as our substitute. He did it as our representative. And when he put his heel on Satan's neck, he did it for you and you were in Christ. So you did it. That's never dawned on us yet. And so to you who believe, Satan is conquered and is defeated. And if Satan is conquered and defeated, then sickness and disease is conquered and defeated. All right, now turn back to the book of Ephesians with me. And let's sum it up. Praise God. And let's see. We'll just start with the very first verse of the second chapter of Ephesians. And you hath he quickened who were dead. Now see again, this death here and dead here is not talking about physical death, talking about spiritual death. Dead what? In trespasses and sins, quickened means made alive. You hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or our manner of life in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God, but God, who is rich, oh, thank God he is, in mercy, rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, quickened us together with Christ. Did you get that? That's when he did it back there. Quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Now get this, verse 6. And has raised us up together. See, we're identified with Christ in his death, burial, resurrection. He's raised us up together. Hallelujah. Now get this. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's not going to do that. He has done that. That's the reason we're to reign as kings in life. Sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means in the place of authority. In the place of authority. Reign as kings in life. That denotes authority. That denotes dominion. Praise His holy name. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, you see then, greater is he, the latter part of this verse in 1 John 4. Greater, this is why we all come, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, he's in us, 
to help us to reign. God not only is for us, well, just knowing he's on your side is enough to, to buoy your faith up. Hallelujah. Sky high. Amen. He's not only with us, just knowing that he's with us. Praise God. It's great. But thank God he's in us. I don't think we've ever mastered that yet. I don't think that's ever dawned on us yet. He's in us. He is in us. Ye are the temple of the living God. Hallelujah. 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 With God, all things are possible. No wonder Jesus also said, All things are possible to him but believe it. The reason all things are possible to him that believeth, I believe, is because I've got the God in me with whom all things are possible. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. And we poor old church folks sometimes, I've heard them saying, Come by here, Lord, come by here. Well, that means he's not there. They're trying to get him to come by. We walked about halfway in spiritual things and halfway in soulless things. Too long the church has lived in what I call no man's land. Sort of a gray area of spirituality where Satan can enter into the innermost council and God can't reach him. Come on over onto the word. Let the light shine in. The entrance of his words giveth light. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The greater one's in me. 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 Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? God, my Father. Hallelujah. Well, to you who believe then, Satan is conquered and Satan is defeated. That's the reason I'm not much concerned about the devil. Ever since I found out he got whipped, I haven't been much interested in him. Amen. Praise God. To the believer, Satan is conquered. That's where the fight of faith comes in, to believe what the Bible, it's a faith fight. See what I mean? Believing what the Bible says. See, that's the reason, James said, resist the devil and he'll flee from him. And Peter said, your adversary, yeah, we got an adversary, he's down here. Enemy adversary is an enemy, an opponent. Your adversary, the devil, now get this, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, first of all, did you notice that he didn't say he is a roaring lion? said he walks about as a roaring lion. He'll make you think he's one. Seeking whom he may devour. Now, what are you going to do about it? Notice what, notice what Peter said. I like to put it this way. The Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Peter, he said, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. I like another trying to add the words you are there. In your faith. That sounds like what John said. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Believing what the Bible said Jesus did. Believing what the Bible said about Satan. That's the thing that's going to put you over. Amen. I think too many Christians, if the devil does stick up his head, they thought it said resist the devil. Now, now, Mr. Devil, now, now uh, you know, uh, in, in Jesus' name now, now, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, I, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll try to do better next time, Lord, if you'll help me here now. Uh, I, uh, 
you know, and they don't know what they're doing. And the devil devours them. But no, you believe what the Bible said. I said to everyone that believes, Satan is conquered and Satan is defeated. Jesus did it. That's the reason he said there, ye have overcome them. Talking about those demons and evil spirits. Now, Satan can holler and beller, and he'll do it because he said it's a roaring lion, as much as he wants to. But when you know the truth, you'll just stand there and laugh at him. Say, go ahead and beller, Satan. Go ahead and holler. Bless God, I know who I am. Hallelujah. My rights. Satan can holler and Satan can beller as much as he wants to. You withstand him in the faith of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's what he meant when he said, Whom resist steadfast in your faith. Praise his holy name. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, no wonder he said, We that have received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign as kings where? When we get to heaven? During the millennium? In the sweet by and by? Where? In life. Well, somebody said, I don't see anybody doing it. Well, you might ought to look again. Besides that, whether anybody does it or not doesn't make the scripture false. The potential's there. It belongs to you. Sit around and say, well, we're living, yeah, we're living beneath our privileges and do nothing about it if you want to, lazy bones. But I'll tell you, I'm going to live up to the full potential of what belongs to me in Christ Jesus. Shall reign, R-E-I-G-N, reign as kings in life. You see, they had kings in those days who were the rulers of the nations or the countries. That king is the man. He's the top man. Amen. He's the man that reigns, rules. He's the man, the one that has dominion over his domain. Remember that centurion that came to Jesus, just the man over a hundred soldiers knew something about that. Recognized that Jesus had dominion. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him when he said, my servant lies at home sick. And the man said, Master, I'm not worthy you should come under my roof, but just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Now what did he realize? He realized he had dominion. I'm a man under authority. I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and another come, and he cometh. Just speak the word only. Jesus said, go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto you. Now in life, you're the one that has authority in your life. I don't have authority in your life. That's a problem. We're running around trying to find somebody else to be king. I'm not to be king. You're to be king in your own life. Reign. I'm not to reign in your life. I'm to reign in my life the one that has the authority, the one that has dominion. And that's where the problem is. We didn't know who God was. We didn't know who Jesus was. We failed to realize what he did. We failed to realize who we are. We failed to take advantage of what belongs to us. 
And so when trouble comes, the devil raises up his head. We become fearful, flop around like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to find somebody that could help us and die in the process. But no, blessed be God, here's why we've overcome. Here it is again, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Well, who is it in the world? Satan, the God of this world. Second Corinthians 4.4, he's called the God of this world. He's here. He's the God of this world. Adam was, but he sold out to Satan. Satan became the God. But Jesus stripped him of his authority and restored it to us. And we've sat around begging for authority and had it all time. We've sat around waiting for God to do something and he's waiting for us to do something. Never will forget it. Never will forget it. It just absolutely upended my theology. Way back 1952, when the Lord appeared to me in a vision right here in the state of Oklahoma and said, I'm going to talk to you about the devil, demons, and demon possession. And then away down at the end of that vision, just before it was over, the whole thing's about an hour and a half, uh, Jesus was standing there talking to me. I was kneeling before him. It looked like he was standing about as high as the ceiling, where the ceiling should be. And there ran this little black devil, little old imp, looked like little, looked like a little monkey actually, and jumped up there between us and put out something like a dark cloud or smoke screen. I couldn't see Jesus. And then this little imp, see Jesus was talking. He didn't stop. He just kept right on talking. And that little imp just jumped up and throwed his arms out and his legs out like that and hollered in a real shrill voice. I just pierced the ear like a whistle almost. Yakety yak yak. Yakety yak yak. Yakety yak yak. Yakety yak yak. And he kept on that way, and, I, and the thoughts raced through my mind faster than machine gun bullets could fire. I thought, oh, dear Lord, I, I'm missing what Jesus is saying, what he was saying, instructions he given me about dealing with the devil. I, I'm missing it. I, I hear the sound of his voice, but I can't distinguish the words for this yakety-yak business. I can't see Jesus because the cloud's there. I, I, and, and then I thought, doesn't Jesus know? Here's the answer to a lot of our questions, friends, if you'll just listen. If you'll just listen, you'll find the answer. I thought, doesn't Jesus know I'm not hearing him? Doesn't Jesus know he's there? He just went on talking, though nothing happened. Doesn't Jesus know he put out that cloud? I can't see him anymore. I can't hear him. I hear the sound of his voice. I can't distinguish the word. Doesn't Jesus know that? Then the next thought that entered my mind real fast, you know. Why don't Jesus do something about it? How come him to allow that in the first place? Now, aren't those questions asked all the time? Why did God allow this when this happens? Why did God allow it? Why don't God do something about it? Why hasn't he done something about it? And we sit idly by waiting for him to do something about it and nothing's done. And then we wonder why. And finally, in desperation... In desperation, I spoke to the Spirit. I said, I command you to shut up in the name of Jesus. When I said that, kerflop, he hit the floor like a sack of salt. Now listen carefully. Don't get carried away and miss it. Don't shout me down now because I'm preaching real good. Yeah, there's a time to clout, but there's a time not to. This is a time not to. Shout if you want to a little bit, but not too much yet. Yet. And so that, that the Spirit hit the floor. I mean, kerflop. 
and that dark cloud disappeared and I can see Jesus. I don't know what he said those few seconds that he was jumping and hollering because I could only hear the sound of his voice. Couldn't distinguish the word. But then Jesus said something to me that absolutely astonished me. That absolutely upended my theology. Oh, we get so concerned about theology that we miss the Bible. <laughs> Jesus pointed to that little fella lying there. And, and not only was he lying there just still, he, he's shaking. All over, trembling all over from head to foot and whining. Just a shaking, trembling. Jesus pointed to him and said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't. Listen and reign. Let it slip by you and be in slavery. Are you hearing me? In my astonishment, I said, Lord, I know I misunderstood you. I'm sure I did. You didn't say, and I pointed to that little fellow lying there, still a whimpering and a shaking all over, you couldn't. You said you wouldn't, didn't you? Jesus said, I said, and he pointed to him again, that if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't. I shook my ears like this. I said, Lord, something's happened to my hearing. I'm not hearing you right. Now, I know you didn't say, and I pointed to that little fellow shaking in the trembling, if I hadn't done something about that, you couldn't. You said you wouldn't. Jesus said, I said, and he pointed to it. <laughs> if you hadn't done something about that, now understand that doesn't just include the demon, that includes the dark cloud that was there that shut out the vision of Jesus in heaven. That included the communion that didn't get through, prayers or whatever. Are you listening? I couldn't. Lord, I said, I, I, I know, I know something, something happened to me. Now, you didn't say you couldn't. You said you wouldn't, didn't you? And very emphatically, he said, no, I didn't say I wouldn't. I said I couldn't. Oh, I can't accept that. I, 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 that, that. That's against everything I ever believed. That's against everything I ever preached. I, I can't accept that. I, I said I won't accept any vision. I know I'm seeing you. I hear you talk to me just as real as any man ever spoke to me in my life as far as reality is concerned. But I won't accept it. I can't accept it. Unless... You could prove it to me from the Bible, particularly from the New Testament, because we're living under the new covenant, not the old one. And you said in your word, the mouth of two or three witnesses shall ever word be established, so you'll have to give me at least three references to establish that. You think you got angry with me? 
He smiled so sweetly and said, I'll go you one better, I'll give you four. <laughs> and then he got me in deeper before he got me out. I found out that's a good way. That's the reason I do sometimes in teaching folks. I get them in deeper before I get them out. He said, there's not any place in the New Testament anywhere. Not one single place. Not one single place is the church or Christians or believers told to pray against the devil. To pray against the devil, he said, is to waste your time. When he said that to me, I said, I've wasted so much time. He said, not one single place in the New Testament will you find... I'm talking about reigning. I'm talking about reigning as kings, having dominion in life. Not one single place in the New Testament does it tell believers of the church to pray that God the Father or I, that was the Lord Jesus Christ talking to me, pray to either one of us to do anything about the devil. Not one single time does it tell you to pray that way. God rebuked the devil. Jesus rebuked the devil. To do so is to waste your time. And I said, I've wasted a lot of time. Because we did that, we'd, we'd been taught that. Or if not taught it, at least others did it, so we just followed suit. Every single place in the New Testament, he said, it tells a believer themselves to do something about the devil. And if they don't do it, there won't anything be done. I've done all I'm ever going to do about the devil until the time comes that the angel will come down from heaven and take him and bind him with chains and put him in the bottomless pit for a while, for a thousand years. Till then, heaven has done all heaven will ever do about the devil. Now that came as a real shock to me. Now he said, I'll give you the four references that'll prove that. First of all, the 28th chapter of Matthew. When I rose from the dead, I said, all power, that's King James translation, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And he said, if you stop reading right then, the word power there, he said to me, as you know, means a Authority. It's the Greek word for authority. All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. If you stop reading right there, you'd say, well, dear Lord Jesus, you do have authority here on the earth. But he said, I immediately delegated my authority on the earth to the church. I said, go ye. And teach all nations. Make disciples of all nations here. And over in the 16th chapter of Mark, he said, in my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents to drink it, dead thing, not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and shall recover. See, we're authorized to do that. He gave the authority on it. Now, the letters that are written to the church. Now, listen real carefully. The letters that are written to the church. Not one single time, Jesus said to me, in the letters that are written to the church. You know, that's Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, right on through to Jude. The epistles. Paul wrote most of them. James, Peter, John, Jude. Not one single time does any New Testament writer tell you to pray to God or to me, the Lord Jesus Christ, to do anything about the devil. 
Now here's something strange, but it's absolutely true. He said to me, not one single time does any writer tell you to get somebody else to do something about the devil for you. But every single time it tells you to do it. Because you are the one that has authority. You're the one that's to rule, I'll add now, or reign in life. Now, first, here's a second reference he gave me. For instance, James 4, 7. Resist the devil. Who? Who is it that resists the devil? Jesus? No. God? No. You. You. He's writing to the church. You is the understood subject of the sin. You resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Now, as Jesus said, you couldn't do that if you didn't have authority over but because I gave you the authority, you can do it. You resist the devil. What will he do? Flee from you. Now, what did Peter say? What does Peter say? Your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion. Now, notice he didn't say he's a roaring lion. He said he's walking about like one. And if you don't know, you'll let him scare you. Your adversary, yeah, we've got an adversary, an opponent, an enemy, one that is arrayed against us, walketh about as a roaring lion. Now, what's he doing? Seeking whom he may devour. Now, what are you going to do about it? Now, here's something Jesus said to me. It's very interesting. He said, Peter is writing to believers, Christians. He didn't say, you know, word has come to me that our beloved brother Paul's having great success here in dealing with devils. It's come to me that he's sending out handkerchiefs or claws. And when these touch people's bodies, the, the diseases depart from them and the evil spirits go out of them. Now, I would suggest you brethren send for one of those claws. That's what Jesus said to me. That's what he said to me. No, he said, Peter said, you do something about the devil. Now notice, your, your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now listen, whom resist? How? Steadfast in the faith. I like another translation said, steadfast in your faith. Praise God forevermore. See, you believe what the Bible says about it, that you was in Jesus when he defeated the devil and that he's over, that you overcame them when he overcame them, that that victory is your victory, and now then the greater one's in you to help you do it. Why in the world would you need to get somebody else help you to do it? Are you listening? Yeah. Now then again, that's the third one, Peter, see? Now, now, look in Ephesians and see what Paul said. Notice what Paul said. Writing to the church at Ephesus, and it applies to the church here in uh, Tulsa or wherever you are from. Notice the fourth chapter of Ephesians and the 27th verse, neither give place to the devil. Now, as Jesus quoted that to me, he said that just simply means don't let the devil have any place in you. He said that means the devil can't take any place in you unless you let him do it. And you'd have to have authority to keep him from it. That means you've got the authority. 
You're the one to do it. Now you see, let's go back to the vision I saw. The dark clouds appears on the horizon of our lives. Blots out almost, it seemed like, the light from heaven to shine in. We're living in that cloud. Why did God permit this ever to happen to me? That darkness, you see, can, can be an illustration of many, many things. Sickness, trouble, disease, problems, circumstances. Why did God let this happen? Accidents, whatever. Why did God send this? Why don't God do something about it? Can you understand it? You're the one just to do something about it. Well, if I could find somebody that had enough faith, they could do it. No, that belongs to you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Somebody asked a minister one time who had great success in getting people healed and casting the devil out of unsaved people. You see, saved people don't have the devil in them. No, you don't have the devil in you. Now, he may be harassing you, and you can't open the door and let him get into part of you. Are you listening to me by yielding to him? Don't shout me down now because I'm preaching real good. What is the secret of your success? Oh, he said, I just remembered that First John 4, 4 said, Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I just remembered the greater ones in me. Smith Wigglesworth said there in England that somebody had written, a mother and a daddy had written a letter to his home and asked him to come. Their daughter had lost her mind. Devil got a hold of her. Come and minister to her because she couldn't be helped otherwise. And so he said he wrote him a card and he, you know, he, he couldn't go right then and said I'll be there at a certain time, 10 o'clock certain morning and when the 10 o'clock came he was ringing the doorbell at that house. Well, they knew he was coming because they'd got his card. He said the mother and the daddy opened the door, didn't say a word. One of them took one of his hand, the other took the other hand, led him down the hall, up some steps, up another flight of steps to the upstairs, led him up to a closed door. The daddy took one hand, opened that door, swung it back, and they pushed him in. And he said, I looked in the room and there was a little frail girl just in her 20s lying on the floor held down by five grown men. And when she saw him, the strength in that little frail body empowered by the devil was so strong that she overcame the five men. They couldn't hold her. Tore loose from him, from them. Faced him with blazing eyes and said, You can't cast me out. You can't cast me out. He said, Jesus can. And he's in me. I just remembered First John 4, 4, Greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. See, he knew something about being in union with God. He knew something about having the living God in him, Christ in you. Jesus can and come out in the name of Jesus.
and 34 of them came out and gave their name. And her mind was restored and she walked down the step and sat down and ate the evening meal with them. Praise God. Because, you see, the name of Jesus is greater than the forces of evil. And besides that, the greater ones living in you. Hallelujah to Jesus. How big is God? See, that's the problem. A lot of times I think most folks have got a little bitty, little bitty God that's about an inch and a half high. And then the devil to him is about two feet and a half high. The devil is not bigger than God. Stand up everybody and say that. Say it again. Circumstances are not bigger than God. Disease is not bigger than God. My father is greater than all. And he is my father. And he lives in me. He'll put me over. He'll make me a success. I'm not afraid of anything. The greater one's in me. The greater one's in me. He's greater than tests and trials. He's greater than circumstances. He's greater than any power or force that I face. He's greater than any power or force that could come against me. And he's in me. Oh, glory. He'll put me over. He'll make me success. I expect him in every crisis of life to rise up in me, to give illumination unto my mind, to give strength unto my body, to give direction unto my spirit. He is in me. The greater one lives in me. I cannot be defeated. I cannot fail. The greater one will put me over. My faith is in him. My confidence is in him. I am strong in his power. Oh, glory. Now thank him and praise him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who He is. Don't forget what He has done. Don't forget who and what He has made you. Are you listening? Praise His holy name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's praise Him again before we go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise and reverence and honor. Grace and glory. Thank you, Lord. Be unto Him both now and forevermore. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.